Sister Miriam Heidlin recently gave a charismatic retreat at St. Peter Cathedral on the topic of the healing power of the Holy Spirit. Tonight, you'll hear part five of the series. But before we get to that, let's listen to some highlights from the first four parts. Good evening, how are you this evening? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I am uh, just very delighted to be here. I live in the great nation of Texas, so I live in the, in the deep south, and it's very, very, very hot there already. And so can I just say, walking outside, y'all have a wonderful spring. Can I just say that? It is so absolutely lovely. And I feel, I just feel like that is healing to the soul. Just your lilacs are blooming. Do you know that? Do you should know your lilacs are blooming right now. It's so stunning and the water and the beauty and it's just, I was, as I, I walked five miles today. <laughs> so I just was stunned by the loveliness of it. And I, I just, I, God is so beautiful and he makes beautiful things. And my heart for you this weekend, I, we're gonna be on a journey together and I, I'll share with you a lot this weekend, but I know very well, and I've, I've been speaking, and I give retreats and, and conferences, and I speak to thousands of people every year across the nation, but I tell you this, one thing I do know, I know this, that the most important thing that you're going to hear tonight, and if you come back this weekend, the most important thing that you're going to hear all weekend is not anything I'm going to say. The most important thing that you're going to hear this weekend is what the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you, because the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. And I was so overwhelmed as I prayed for you. I've been praying for you for a long time. And I just was asking the Lord to bring this weekend whoever he wants to bring, whoever that is. And so I've been praying for you, each one of you, each one of you. And I know very deeply that the Lord desires um, to bring healing into your life. I know very deeply that the Lord desires to bring communion into your life. And so really, honestly, my desire is to just get out of the way so the Lord can do that. So I, when Monsignor was asking me kind of what I was to, wanted to title this weekend, as you notice, if you had the schedule, I prayed about it and I titled it Love Poured Out. Like love poured out, the healing power of the Holy Spirit. And the, I, you know, am in a long list of people throughout thousands of years who've talked about the Holy Spirit. And I really, when I, when, I, when I encounter the Holy Spirit, I encounter the Holy Spirit as, as kindness, as fire, and as love and communion. And so I built the talks around the reality of the Lord bringing us into communion and in all the places that we are fragmented and scattered, okay? So even now, let me just say this, so even now you're sitting here and it's, it's Friday evening and it's 7.02 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, okay? And you are physically here, you are logistically here, but I think for some of you, perhaps your mind is a million miles away, you know? And you're still thinking about, did I leave the iron on? I can't remember if I, should I turn that off before I left? And you know, you're thinking about your teenage son and he made that little silly comment before he left. And when he gets home, I'm gonna talk to him and tell him. You know, it's kind of like how we do that. And so we have our own justifications of why we do what we do, right? And, and I, I'm saying it as much to myself as I'm saying it to you. And then we see the war over in the Middle East and we say, how come those people can't just get along? We can't even get along in our own families many times. So St. Paul, we have to understand about Saul. Saul is very justified in what he thinks he knows he's doing is right. But see, he doesn't know the whole truth. Love has yet to come and interrupt his life. 
And I love it because we know the story of Saul very well, of him you know, being, you know, being pierced by a light and falling to the ground and going blind. It's just so great. He goes blind, which is really finally a physical manifestation of the interior disposition of his heart. Finally, it's like, oh, I was blind this whole time. And he's led when he, you know, the, the men with him don't see anything, but they hear the voice, and, I mean, they see the light, and they're just totally dumbfounded. They lead him by the hand. This man who was breeding murderous threats to the church, pulling people out, putting them in chains, now can't even see. He is completely humbled, completely brought to the ground. They lead him by the hand into the city, and there he is. He doesn't eat or drink. He's totally poor, totally impoverished, totally bereft, until somebody is sent to come to his aid. And it's through the imposition of the Holy Spirit, through the transformation of the Holy Spirit that St. Paul changes, and it's one of the reasons why you and I are sitting here today, right? And I love it, because it's Ananias. And Ananias is a follower of the Lord, and it's just so, it's just so wonderful, because it says, okay, so Acts, I'm just gonna read this a little bit to you. It says, Acts chapter nine, it says, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he answered, appropriately. Here I am, Lord. <laughs> like, until you tell me what to do, then I'm going to talk to you about that for a second. But the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. And so he told Ananias, you know, everything that would happen. And I love it because Ananias says, but Ananias replied, Lord, <laughs> I have heard from many sources about this man, what evil things he has done to your holy ones in Jerusalem. And Ananias is like, are you sure? Are we talking about the same person here? Are you sure? just great and I love it because the Lord reaffirms because you and I have all had inspirations like this we've all had inspirations from the Holy Spirit just like this and we're like oh, I don't know and the Lord says you you must go and you must heal him you must go to him and he will know it's interesting he will know how much he has to suffer for my name it's like phew, right to the core so I love it so Ananias goes and when I was praying for you this morning and just praying for myself this morning you know in these places this is the part that came to my heart especially so it goes on to say so Ananias went and he entered the house laying his hands on Saul and he said Saul my brother the Lord has sent me Jesus appeared to you on the way by which you came and that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit so he pronounces the name of Christ, of this pursuit of Christ for his heart, the restoration of his heart, puts his hands on him, proclaims the Holy Spirit to him, and it says this, immediately, things like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Okay, then I'm gonna have you look up here, okay? So look up here, so look up here at me, all right? <laughs> it's like herding cats, that's okay, all right? Um, how many of you had how many of you had a favorite dessert that had to do with a holiday like your birthday or Christmas or Thanksgiving or Easter or something like that? Okay. How many of you had something to do with ice cream? Anybody with ice cream? <laughs> and let's just go big and go home. How about chocolate? Anybody have something to do with chocolate? Okay. One of the reasons why I do that is because it gets you out of your seat, but every single one of you is smiling right now. Every single one of you, and I love to watch you do this because what's happening in your heart is these happy memories are coming forth and you're smiling and your heart is being healed right there. Right? And so it's just beautiful of how God, I mean, chocolate ice cream, amen, let's do that, okay? So, but like beauty, beauty heals, beauty heals us. And that's, us, and especially when we talk about the feminine heart and about beauty, 
there's a healing power, uh, there's a tremendous healing power of beauty. So I, I'm just delighted to, to speak about the feminine heart. I do actually love to speak about the masculine genius as well. And had I known there would be men here, I would, I would have talked to your heart as well. Because can I just say, gentlemen, your masculinity is not toxic, it's glorious, okay? It's glorious, right? And there's so much in society today about the destruction of the male heart and, and men are beautiful. The way that God has made you is beautiful and we need you. We need the men in our life to become the best possible versions of themselves that the Lord has created. The gift of masculinity is so glorious and it's only in the healing of the masculinity and the femininity that comes together that the healing of the nations, the healing of the world, the healing of marriages and family comes forth, right? Um, but what I'm gonna focus mostly on um, today is the heart of woman and I think one of the best, one of the things that I have learned, one of the biggest learning lessons in my life um, that I have learned as I've gotten older and as I've matured um, has been about my mama, my mom. And one of the best things I've learned about my mother is that she's a person. She's a person with a story. And my mom was a little girl once and she grew up on a farm in South Texas and they didn't have running water in their house. They picked cotton in the summer in the hot south. They had a hard life. And when my mom was little, she had hopes and dreams and she had a mom and dad too. And her mama was a person also, right? So I think when we talk about femininity and we talk about especially our lady and we talk about motherhood, which I'm going to open our hearts to, you know, we have certain ideas and just certain areas of beauty and sorrow that our mothers have passed on to us because every single one of us comes from a mama. She's a person. So today, I just want to notice, I, if you haven't been with us uh, this whole time, uh, first of all, you're most welcome, and I'm so glad you're here. And you're welcome to stay for the talk on forgiveness if you want to as well. But something that I have been really inviting us to is to stay present to our hearts and what's happening in our hearts, okay? So I'm just gonna invite you once again to do that because whatever the Holy Spirit is gonna bring to your heart in this time is probably what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you about. And you're in a safe place, right? And so the Lord delights to come and meet you just exactly where you are, especially as we delve, uh, we delve into the beautiful mystery of, of what it means to be a woman. There's a wonderful Christian author and a Christian poet, and she, she writes this about femininity, and I just want to read this quote to you. She says, God chose to make his entry point into the world through the holy space of a woman, to unfold, to enfold himself inside of a woman, to drink of a woman, to be held and nourished and cared for by a woman. That's the jolting truth of how God loves women with his honor. This reality where all of us come from a mother and so does Jesus. And isn't it so wonderful to think that God is sovereign. He could have come to earth in any way he wished, but he came as a dependent, naked, vulnerable, helpless baby who had to have his diaper changed and who had to be nursed at the breast and who was taught how to walk. Could you imagine teaching Jesus how to walk? <laughs> he probably hit his little head on the coffee table in Nazareth. You know, it's like this huddling around. And he would have cried when he got hungry like us and when his diaper was wet, he would have squirmed around and Mary and Joseph would have come alongside him and just, you know, talked to him and pinched his little cheeks. Just the beautiful reality of God of so human, so, so little and so vulnerable. And the, that reality of when, when, the Lord, when the Lord creates, and we talked about Genesis last night, and we talked about the garden. And in the garden, in Genesis, when God creates, he creates an ascending order. 
So you'll notice at the beginning of Genesis, it says, in the beginning, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. And you'll notice that creation, as God unveils creation, it ascends in order as close as to likeness of himself. At our daycare in Seattle, we had a lot of dress-up. So we, and not every girl goes through a dress-up phase, and she doesn't go. Not every girl goes through a princess phase, but a lot of them do. And so we had the best dress-up. We had the best, like glittery wigs, and we had high heels. I mean, we had the best ever because I bought it all. So we had like the best ever. And so, you know, don't get in between little girls and dress-up on a Tuesday afternoon, and they will take the girls will take you out. They will run you over to get to the dress-up. And so. The girls are like tearing through all the gowns and they're like putting on the high heels and the boys, what they're doing in the meantime is that the boxes are emptied out. The boys are stacking up the boxes beside the couch to see how far they can jump over the box, okay, before one of them crashes on it. It's just so great. So I catch one of the boys on the couch. I'm like, what, what are you doing? Like, get, you know, so they're trying to launch themselves over all the empty dress up boxes to see how far they can possibly go, you know? And so for, for little boys, like that's, it's a different story. The, the question of what they have, they want to be strong enough. They want to know what they have, what it takes. But what would happen is the little girls would dress up and across the hall was this massive, in the elementary school was this massive mirror. And I don't know why they did that, but this huge mirror. And the girls would always, always go to the mirror and they'd be lost in a dream, already lost. Like, okay, I'm Princess Elsa and you're the dog. You can be the dog, okay? So and then like they're like putting bows in each other's hair and they're just chattering away about all these different things, you know, and they're twirling around. And inevitably, inevitably, they would always come up to one of us. And they would say, just in all purity and all sincerity, Sister, do I look beautiful? Do I look lovely? And I can honestly tell you, in every instance, without any hint of anything that's not true, I could look at them and say, Baby, you look beautiful. You look like a princess. You're so lovely. And you could just see her whole countenance bloom like a So there's a good reason why you feel the way you do. And it may be true or not true, objectively speaking, like when you walk into a room and somebody starts laughing and they turn around, you might, first of all, your first thought might be they're talking about you. So that's an experience that you're having. It may be true, it may be not. But to honor that part of our heart and saying, okay, what's, what's going on with my heart here? Because your heart's always trying to tell you something. Your heart is always trying to tell you something. So this is how in our life, so this is how hurt happens. So say for example, that person that you're thinking of right now, there's a reason why your heart has been hurt. Maybe it was a cutting comment that they made. Maybe it was something they didn't take you into consideration. Maybe it was an area of deep abuse or deep trauma, okay? And it's only until we allow these places to be encountered by the Lord, my dear friends, it's in the encountering that our hearts are transformed. So, because here's how hurt happens. So this is usually what happens to you and I. So say, for example, that person that hurt you, I'm just gonna give you a kind of a very up, upper level thing. So say, for example, it's your spouse and you prepared lunch for your spouse, he's going out for the door and he leaves his lunch pail there and you're, you say, I'm like, hey, I made you lunch and you make some like cutting comment and then he walks out the door, okay? Which is hurtful, right? You're like, oh, I made you lunch and you know, here you're not even gonna take it and then this was kind of a long spat you guys have had and he walks out the door and mut mutters something about you know, you don't listen to him or whatever, and he walks out. So we'll stop right there, okay? So the best thing for us to do at that very moment, in this, in this hypothetical example, would be to say, okay, Holy Spirit, what's happening in my heart right now? What's happening? This is, this is hurtful. So to acknowledge that that was painful, whatever it is, this is painful. Jesus, what's happening to me right now? Okay. 
because here's what happened. Somebody in your life came and they said something to you that was unjust. The, the things that hurt us the most are the unjust things. You know, because anger, anger really, we're talking about anger. Anger is a secondary emotion. Anger is a healthy emotion. It's a secondary emotion given to you to right what is wrong. So when we find ourselves being hurt and being angry, there's no sin in that. And it's, it's many times telling us something about our heart where our heart has been hurt. So for you to go to the Holy Spirit right there, I do this all the time, and just say, Holy Spirit, what's happening to my heart right now that was really hurtful and I'm feeling really angry? And there's part of me that wants to say, I will never, watch out for that very quickly, I will never, whatever that is, I will never this, I will never that. He doesn't all, he never listens. Do you see how we go down that path very quickly, okay? Because usually these parts of our pain um, have long stories. And I would, I would say to you, and I found this true in my own life, and I, tr I find it true in the life of so many people that I journey with and the stories that I hear, usually what's happening up at the surface, right, has very little to do with what's happening up at the surface. It's hurtful up here, and yes, and amen to it, but it's hurtful up here most especially because there's some unhealed area right down here. And maybe it's a long story in your life of being, of feeling like nobody hears you or nobody appreciates you or nobody sees you. And that's a long story. And you have to be very attentive to these places in our life, okay? So if you can stop right there and ask the Holy Spirit what's going on, what's happening, Lord, what am I feeling in my body? Tell me, what, what, what is the root of this, Lord? I'm feeling very upset right now. Just tell me, and just allow the Lord to come and speak to us in these places. What happens is, is that we stop the process from going down to a way that's really broken and really hurtful. Because for most of us, even when we were children, we came home and say the kids were picking, you on the, picking on you on the playground. Very few of us had parents that could sit with us and say, what happened today? Like, what, what did the kids say? You know, is that true? What, what would Jesus say about you? I, I know parents who do this with their kids. What is the truth of who you are? You're so good and so beautiful. Can we ask Jesus? Can we ask him to speak the truth to you about what the truth is here? But most of us didn't have that. And most of us in our life had to find ways to survive, right, in our childhood, just, just different ways it's broken, because every family is broken to a certain extent. So we take on roles in the family, we, we find ways to survive, and what we do is we become very good at surviving. And what happens when the pain is never visited with the Lord and with people who love us, the pain just doesn't go away. It just becomes buried alive. And anything buried alive will come out a different way. So let me just share with you a phrase that changed my entire life that I say to people all the time. And the phrase is this, suffering that is not transformed is transmitted. And now part five of Sister Miriam Heidland's charismatic retreat series, The Healing Power of the Holy Spirit. It's gonna adjust things. Good morning, friends, good morning. I guess welcome to your real spring weather. Is this really what happens here? <laughs> I was like, oh, how quaint. Look, it's cool again. This is lovely, right? So. <laughs> I enjoy it. I love it. So I, I always look at the weather where I'm going before I travel. So I'm I'm just prepared. But uh, I was happy to see the nice cool weather again. So um, I was as I was praying for you this morning and kind of thinking of our last talk together, our last time together. I, I was very struck by um, I just I, I will for the rest of my life speak about just the kindness of Jesus, of how kind he is. And one of the things I love about how respectful Jesus is to us is that he never assumes, like he's just so gracious. And so often even when he heals people, he asks them, he asks them, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Savior of the world, he asks them, what do you want me to do for you? 
What do you want me to do for you? And I just want to invite you, my dear friends, as we finish up our time here and as we gather the graces and as we prepare for the summit of our faith, which is the reception of the Holy Eucharist, I just want, can I just invite you just for a second, just to close your eyes just for a second. And I'm just going to invite you just to settle in where you are. And once again, just take a deep breath all the way in and all the way out. Just notice anything in your body, any tension you might be carrying, any anxiety. Let's just surrender that to the Lord. Let's just take another deep breath all the way in and all the way out. And I just want to give the Lord a chance just to ask you personally. And I'm going to invite you to be very honest because he would really like to hear your heart. And I'm just going to invite him to speak to you when he says to you, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Let's take another deep breath all the way in and all the way out. Jesus, we surrender our hearts to you. We ask your Holy Spirit to come in the deepest places of our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would be a healing balm that just descends to the core of our being. Any places our hearts have been cracked or are dry or chafed or in need, I just ask, Holy Spirit, that your gentle, your gentle healing balm, your oil of gladness would come and descend into these places. We pray that you would give us new hearts, a new hope, a new joy, new love. And Mother Mary, once again, we turn to you, you who are all beautiful, you whose heart is our home, Mama. As we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's a quote that I love by Pope Benedict when he was the then Cardinal Ratzinger, and he wrote a wonderful essay on the devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And it's in my, one of my favorite quotes, and he says this. He says, Stoic thought, okay, so Stoic thought regards the heart as that which holds things together and aims at self-preservation. The pierced heart of Jesus has overturned this definition. This pierced heart of Jesus is not concerned with self-preservation, but with self-surrender. It saves the world by opening itself. This heart of Jesus saves by giving itself away. By giving itself away. And we talk about Stoic thought, and you talk about the Greeks, and there's a Stoic, kind of a, a movement of Stoic thought where they thought if they could just eradicate all emotion and they could be devoid of any sort of passion or emotion, it's then that they could make a proper distinction and a proper decision. And you know what? That's not Christian thought. <laughs> We're not Stoics. A lot of us have been raised as Stoics, and a lot of us live as Stoics. But when Jesus loves, he loves with a human heart. His emotions, he has every emotion you and I have, his emotions are properly ordered and they're healed. 
which is why they power him as the son of God to rest in his identity and to choose, if we could say, we talk about the anthropology of humanity, to choose what is good, true, and beautiful. And then that he teaches us, like we've been talking about this whole weekend of how to live. And you and I are so often, like we've journeyed through this weekend, we're so often concerned about self-preservation and self-protection. And if I give this person this, then I'm going to have less for myself. Or if I let God into this place, I don't know what's going to happen because I have to surrender control. And it is terrifying for us. But Jesus is with us in every single place. And I love, you know, Father Jacques Philippe is one of my favorite spiritual teachers. And he always talks about the little by little. (laughs) Little by little, little by little, little by little. Slow always wins. Little by little. And when we've been journeying in these deep waters and you might have had some things come to the surface of your heart that you've never thought about in your entire life. Or maybe things that you haven't thought about in a long time. And they've come to the surface of your heart and sometimes what happens is we think we have to deal with everything that's on the altar of our heart right now. (laughs) Or maybe yesterday. Like, can we just get this finished, you know? And I love it because just the Lord is just so delightful in how he encounters us because, see, he's not in a hurry. And it's just so beautiful because even at the epitome, the height of his ministry, when people want to carry him off and make him king, and he's multiplying loaves, and people are just, we can't even imagine that kind of just intensity of his ministry. You know, we're often maybe times overwhelmed with how people come to us or our vocations and how people, you know, it, we're, we're like, I just need some me time, you know. But Jesus, in a sense, doesn't take me time. He takes we time with the Father. And they want to carry him off and make him king. And he doesn't acquiesce to anybody's opinions of him. He goes and spends time with his Father And I love it because the disciples will not stop. The people will not stop until they find him. And they go in search of him. And they find him on a mountain alone with the Lord. And it's great because all the disciples come up there. And Peter says, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. And I'm like, amen, man. (laughs) Because everyone's looking for Jesus. We're all in desperate. We're all in desperate need of him. In every single place in our hearts. And so this is why, my dear friends, Christians, we must know ourselves. We must, we can't not know our own stories. We can't not know the the breakpoints in our foundation of where we have weaknesses. Like St. Ignatius of Loyola says that the enemy is like an astute military general and he patrols the borders of your soul and he will attack you at the weakest place. Which is why we so often struggle with the same thing over and over and over and over again. And like we said yesterday, where the enemy is a sniper, Jesus Christ is already in this place, meeting us there. If we would allow him to transform our stoic hearts, our hearts that have been bent on self-preservation and self-protection and self-reliance in all the ways we want to just do it by ourselves. and thank you very much, I'm just fine. And I love it because Jesus, he's not deterred by that. Like, it's so great. He's not deterred by our self-defense mechanisms because he knows us. And he just comes closer to us and he just says, can I just, can I just be with you here? Can I be with you here? And I think, you know, the reason why when when I shared with you that everything that we would be doing would make sense today, all of this makes sense in the, just the holy solemnity and feast day of Pentecost but to me, all of it's encapsulated in the sequence that we'll, we will hear during Mass of the Veni Sanctus Spiritus. Can I, and can I just read it to you? Because I was praying for you this morning. This is exactly the whole movement. This is the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And this is the deep foundational levels. And in a bit, I'll talk about the sacraments and the charismatic gifts. But when we talk about the deep places, 
of where the Holy Spirit comes to minister to us, this is, this is my heart for you. It's my heart for you because it's the Holy Spirit's heart for you. So I'm just going to pray. Can I just pray this over you? Because it's just so beautiful. And this is like our prayer to the Holy Spirit. And we're going to say this. It's going to say, come Holy Spirit, come. And from your celestial home, shed a ray of light divine. Come Father of the poor. Come source of all our store. Come within our bosom shine. You of comforters the best. You, the soul's most welcome guest, sweet refreshment here below. In our labor, rest most sweet, grateful coolness in the heat, solace in the midst of woe. O most blessed light divine, shine within these hearts of yours, and our inmost being fill. Where you are not, we have not, nothing good in deed or thought, nothing free from taint of ill. Heal our wounds, our strength renew, on our dryness pour your dew, wash the stains of guilt away. Bend the stubborn heart and will, melt the frozen, warm the chill, guide the steps that go astray. On the faithful who adore and confess you evermore, in your sevenfold gift descend. Give them virtue's sure reward. Give them your salvation, Lord. Give them joys that never end. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Woo! I'm like, yeah, can we do this? <laughs> Let's just do this the rest of our life, you know? This is because this is exactly what this is, this is it, friends. This is it. The Holy Spirit is our solace. He, he's our comforter. He's, our, he's the, the, the dew when we are dry. He's everything. And it is the gift, it is the Holy Spirit that's sent upon us by, by the Jesus and the Father. He's the love between the Father and the Son. And we can't do anything without him. Like we talked about, even the word paraclete means someone who comes alongside us to defend us. Someone who comes alongside and this reality, like we talked about, the, the beautiful thing about being Catholic is that we are rest in objective truths. So the first night we talked about baptism, the ontological mark in your soul that forever marks you belonging to Christ. And the mark of our confirmation, which we will have the blessed opportunity to see young people be indelibly marked today, a second mark upon their soul, forever sealing them in the power of the Holy Spirit, forever sealing them like you and I in this grace, in this reality, in this life of God. Empowering them what? The third movement of the Holy Spirit is to make Christ present in the world. So the Holy Spirit brings us into communion with Jesus. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us, makes Christ present here. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to make Christ present in the world. The sacraments are the objective realities in our life that forever anchor us in the heart of Christ. So you and, I, you and I have two indelible marks upon our souls. Priests have a third. They have a third indelible mark which configures them to the heart of Christ. So they love in a way that nobody else loves. It's a profound reality. When Jesus sends us a priest, he's sending us the love of his heart. Like St. John Vianney says, the priesthood is the love of the heart of Christ. These objective truths, when Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you, he means it. And the church is the divine instrument of love in that salvation in the world. 
And so that's why you and I come and we worship together as a family and we come and we, we celebrate as a family and we are a family because we came from a family and we're going home to a family. And I'm not sure if you know who Father uh, Cantula Mesa is. I think he's a cardinal now, actually. He was made a cardinal. But uh, he was the papal preacher. Uh, he, he was the papal preacher to John Paul II and to Pope Benedict. And now he's the papal preacher for Pope Francis. So he gives them retreats. So you think about a tough crowd. I'm like, I don't know about that. Like, that you're doing something right if you're preaching to the Pope. You know what I'm saying? So he's been doing this a long time. But he has a really good book, which I'm sure you've read in your charismatic circles. It's called um, Sober Intoxication of the Spirit. It, it's, it's a very good book. But I want to just kind of share a couple of quotes that he has for us here. He says, although the Bible, all, all through the Bible, the Holy Spirit reveals himself in two ways through his sanctifying work, which transforms a person who receives him and infuses him or her with a new heart, right? Through his sanctifying work. So this is what we've been talking about this weekend of where the Holy Spirit comes into our life to bring us into communion because life is always about communion. Every gift is about communion. Everything's about communion. God is always about communion. Even in the places where the enemy has come, where the Lord in his sovereignty has allowed the enemy to come, where it seems like the worst possible thing that could ever happen, even that fits in the palm of God's hand. And it's ordered toward communion. And I, I, don't, I don't think I said this to you, but I, I, I want to share this with you. I'm really convinced of this. And I have shared with you a bit of my own story and just wrestled deeply with suffering and just like, and, you know, just hearing the stories of so many people. And, you know, the question that you and I always have is why? Why? Why would God allow this to happen? Why is he doing this? Sometimes we think, why is God doing this to me? I've heard people, I've said that myself, like, why are you doing this to me? Like, we're being done to, you know? Or why does that cousin, you know, why does that innocent child suffer? Why do nations suffer? Why are people oppressed for centuries? Like, Lord, why? And there's a reason, I mean, there's, we could talk about, you know, original sin, and we could talk about freedom of will, and we could talk about all that stuff. But you know what, quite frankly, in the end, we have no idea why. I, I don't know. I don't. But I really do believe this. You know, Father Jacques Philippe talks about the spiritually mature person at the end doesn't ask why. The spiritually mature person at the end, the question that you and I want to ask ourselves is not why is this happening to me, but how will I respond now? How will I respond now? So yes, you and I have had brokenness in our life. Yes, you and I have suffered deeply. Yes, you and I are facing even now situations that are heartbreaking. And in that, feeling the pain, understanding what's happening, and in that, how will you and I respond now? Because we can remain bitter and resentful and blaming and hard-hearted and closed off and self-righteous the rest of our life. We, we're welcome to make that decision. But the Lord is inviting us to something much better. Because I'm really convinced of this. Like the day that you and I leave chronological time. So right now we live in Kronos. We live in chronological time. So right now it's 9.33 Eastern Standard Time, okay? And so tomorrow morning, if the sun rises again, it'll be tomorrow morning at 9.33 Eastern Standard Time. I'll be, I'll be in Texas, but for you it'll be that time here, okay? So, but, you know, and so our life unfolds under so time. So you and I are sitting here, and we are a certain age. And so all of us are of a certain age, so you could probably think back to when you were, say, 40 or 20 or 15 or 10. Right? All of us, you know, and our life unfolds in a succession of events because we live in chronological time, right? But the beautiful thing about God is that 2,000 years ago, he entered into chronological time, but God himself does not live in chronological time. He lives in what we call the eternal now. It's called kairos, the present moment. 
So this is really hard for us to imagine, but everything that's ever happened is a present to God right now. So he sees us now right here in this church as we are, but he also beholds us as we were when we were five. He also beholds us as we are when we will leave, you and I will leave chronological time, and we, we too will enter into Kairos, and we will see him face to face, which is why any moment in our life can be healed because God is eternally present at every moment. It's such hope. But I'm convinced of this. I really believe that the day you and I leave chronological time and we go before God and we see him face to face, we will finally gaze upon the one we've loved our whole life. And we will finally see as we are seen and we will know as we are known and we will love as we are loved. And I'm really convinced the only thing we will look at him and we, the only thing we'll say when we look at him and we think about our lives is we're just going to look at him and we're going to say, Oh, <laughs> right, right. It had to be that way. <laughs> like, there's no other way it could have been. And you and your sovereignty arranged our whole life in these tiny little ways where he just made it beautiful. And this, this is our faith. Like, this is the God we serve, and not just serve, but this is the God who calls us his friends. Look how blessed we are. How blessed that he loves us first, that he chooses us first. And we're all so little and it's so wonderful. We're so gloriously small and it's so beautiful. And there's nothing too big for him. So when we talk about, when Father Cantalame says, talking about these, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, where he's making Christ present, he's giving us a new heart, dear friends. Then did you know that scientists know now that your heart actually has memory cells in it? People that have had heart transplants have new memories they've never had before because they belong to the other person. Fascinating. Your heart remembers. Your heart has a call. Your heart has an ache. And the heart that you and I receive in our faith is the heart of Jesus Christ, the eternal heart. So this is why this whole weekend we have been journeying in these deep waters, right? So Father Cantala Mesa, he goes on to say, so this transforms us, right, and infuses us with a new heart, and amen to it, may it always be so. And then he says, or through his charismatic actions, in the charismatic actions of the Holy Spirit, God empowers certain people, not just so that he can dwell in them and sanctify them from within, but so that he can act through them in the community for the good of the community. So if the sacraments are established, the established outlets of grace, the charisms are the surprise outlets of grace and the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, as we know that actually that build up the church, they're not for us. And the beautiful thing is they're not even indicators of our holiness, which is so great. <laughs> they're just the gifts that God gives. And it's just so wonderful of how he gives and why he gives certain gifts, I don't know. But to certain gifts he gives certain, we're going to hear about that in the readings today, you know. And they're for the church, they're for the building up of the church, they're for the edification of the church. They're for the bringing into communion in the church. And so, and all of us have had, man, we've all had inspirations of the Holy Spirit, where we felt really moved by the Holy Spirit, and we discern it, of course, right? We don't ever just say, first of all, whatever comes to our mouth. We should probably never do that. But like, we're certainly with things like that, and we're praying to the Holy Spirit. We're like, oh, Holy Spirit. And then you're like, and you know the Lord's asking you to do something. You're like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to go offer a word, like, or I don't want to just go up to this person and say, hey, I, you don't know me. This is like, I'm a nun. This is really awkward. But I just wanted to say that, you know, I, the Lord just wants me to say this, or I feel inspired. You know, it's just, we've all had those inspirations. 
or we've all had those inspirations when we're driven by church and the Lord's like, why don't you just come and spend a few minutes with me? We've all had that inspiration, you know? And we're like, I'm really busy, Lord. Can I get back to you later? You know, it's kind of funny. And I can pro- you know, I don't know about you, but I have never, even though it might be quote-unquote inconvenient to whatever I had planned that day, I have never, ever, ever lamented following the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. I have lamented not many times. <laughs> many times I'm like, no, I can't do that. And later on I'm like, oh, man. And I go back to the Lord and you have to repent. Like, I'm so sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry. I missed you on that one, you know. But the gifts are given for us to give away. And the beautiful thing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit is they don't diminish as we give them away. As they are exercised in the power of the Holy Spirit, our hearts are strengthened and the gifts just get bigger. And they, get, they become more deep and they become wider and they become just this bountiful kind of like cornucopia of all these different beautiful things. And we become fully alive. And in that, you know what people notice in that? And it's not even so much we say. People first and foremost notice how you and I live our lives. And I promise you this, the most powerful gospel you will ever preach is not what you will ever say. The most powerful gospel you will ever preach is how you live your daily life. Because that's an indicative of what we really believe. So people want to look at us as baptized Christians, as confirmed Christians. And they look at us and they say, you are confirmed, you are baptized, you say you believe in God. Does your life look any different than anybody else? And it must. It must. And this, this is exactly what St. Paul is talking to us about. I mean, this is, this, we're, we are all the early church. Like, this is exactly the thing that he is speaking to us about in the readings today. Um, I lost my place here. What, what's today? Is, what, what's the date? I forgot. The 23rd. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> I lost my... Because that's why I was, I, was, I was praying about that when the whole, when, when St. Paul is speaking to us about this. So we're going to hear about this letter to the Galatians. So he's going to write to the early church. He's going to write to the letter to the Galatia. So this is going to be a letter from St. Paul to Marquette, Michigan, okay? This is what he's saying to us. And he's telling us that we have to live by, by the Spirit, not the flesh. And when he's talking about the flesh, he's not talking about our body. He's talking about our fallen human nature, like the parts of us that have been affected by sin and concupiscence. So he's not talking about the goodness of the body. He's talking about where our, our desires and our bodies have gone astray in those areas. So he's saying that we are guided by the Spirit. We're not under the law. And so he's telling us what the works of the flesh are, which you know, immorality, impurity, lust, jealousy, outburst of fury, dissensions, factions. I mean, welcome to the world and welcome to much of what's happening in our families, right? So, but what is he saying to us in this? He said, I warned you. He said, you will not inherit the kingdom of God like that with a hard heart. So what St. Paul is saying to us, this man, like we said yesterday, who literally was fell to the ground, was murdering people in the church, was assenting to their imprisonment, trying to push away a movement of God in his own self-righteousness, thinking that he knew what was best. And so the Lord literally comes and enlightens him to the truth. And we know that, like we talked about, his heart was blind and then now his, his eyes are blind until the Holy Spirit comes, Ananias comes and prays over him and the scales fall from his eyes, okay? And would that he do so with us. So this is the same person who is saying this to you and I today. He says, in contrast, I'm just gonna offer this to you, In contrast, and this is the journey, my dear friends, and this is why we have to go down to the foundation. In contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also follow the Spirit. 
So what he's saying is that our hearts have to be transformed. So all the things that we see in our life and in our heart, we can't pretend that it's not there. Every single thing in our heart and in our life, what we do with that is we allow it to come to the surface of our heart, and we allow Jesus to meet us right there. And I think I mentioned to you that my spiritual director is an exorcist, and he's just oh, so wonderful. And he, he will often tell me that, he says, Sister Miriam, your heart is an altar, right? Your heart is an altar. And he says, notice the altar is flat, and everything can be seen on the altar. <laughs> so he said, everything in your heart has to go on the altar, every single thing. Every joy, every gift that you have, every desire, every hope, every dream, every sin, every area of brokenness, every temptation, everything that you want to hide. He says it has to, every single thing has got to be laid out on the altar. He said, because what happens at the altar? It's an offering. That's what the offering, I hope you know that. That's what the offering during the offertory symbolizes, is our offering to Christ. It symbolizes your hopes, everything in your heart. This is what it symbolizes, the people of God, that we place our hearts on the altar. And what happens on the altar is the Holy Spirit comes and is transformed, and Jesus brings us into himself and transforms us. So this is the day-to-day work when we talk about the gospel. Like This is the day-to-day work of our life. This is life in the Holy Spirit. It's a simple, little-by-little, day-to-day life of you and I living our lives, resting our hearts on the heart of Jesus, allowing the Holy Spirit to come and transform us so that his beauty may be made known in our own particular way. And like we said before, because love is beautiful and because this is a lifelong journey, it's an eternal journey, Love never ends. Love never ends. You know, and I think all of us, I kind of sometimes use this example, all of us have been to um, a kind of a wedding anniversary, maybe a couple who's been married like 40 or 50 years. And it's really beautiful because they'll come to the church and on their, you know, 50th anniversary, they'll renew their vows and, you know, they'll, they'll you know, once again come together as man and wife and, you know, we, we love that. And then they'll have a reception afterward usually. And there's a big dinner at the end of the reception, they'll stand up and they'll look at everybody and they'll say, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Many of you have been our friends for these 50 years and we're just so glad that you're here. And then usually what will happen is the groom will turn to his bride and he'll look at her and he'll say, I didn't think she'd get any more beautiful than on the day I married her. But here we are after 50 years. And she's a good woman. And she's been a wonderful wife. And she's an excellent mother to our children. And we've had some hard times, but I love this woman. I love her now more than I ever thought I could. And I'm so glad she chose me. And I'm so glad I said yes to her 50 years ago today. You know, and then she'll usually turn to her groom and she'll look up at her groom and she'll say, I picked up a lot of dirty socks over the last 50 years. <laughs> but I love this man. And he's, he's a wonderful man. And he's an excellent husband and an excellent father. And she's like, we've had some hard, forget about hard times, we've had some hard years. <laughs> and there were times I didn't think we were going to make it. But we did. And I love this man. And I'm so glad he chose me. And I love him now more than I ever thought I could. I'm so glad I said yes to him 50 years ago today and every day since. There's a reason why you could sit in a wedding reception like that and you don't even know that person and you're ugly crying in the back, right? Because it's so beautiful. (laughs) Why does that kind of love make our hearts sing? Is because we know that's the kind of love we're made for. You know, if the couple would get up and stand up in front of everybody and say, 
you know, it's been 50 years and I, you know, I know enough about her and she knows enough about me. I think we can just kind of coexist the rest of our life. You'd be like, y'all needs marriage counseling. That's what needs to happen right now, you know? But what happens in our life at times is we journey with God like that and that's how we treat God. We're like, no, I think I know enough. No, I've been doing this thing for a long time. I've been a believer for a long time. I, you know, I, I speak in tongues and I, you know, whoa, I, I'm good. We'll just kind of coexist. And the Lord's like, I do not want to coexist with you. I want to love you. So will you let me love you? Will you let me love you? And this love, my dear friends, this reality, when we talk about the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity, which are infused in us in our baptism, but especially in the theological virtue of hope, which is ordered toward God, which is what? That God is faithful to his promises and that heaven is our home. That God is faithful to our, his promises and that heaven is our home. And this is the reality of where you and I are going. So in our day-to-day -day life, like, where do we go from here? Because every single one of us here in this church today has a next right step. Every single one of us. And I don't know what that is for you. I, I, I just want to recommend a book, a book that I recommended. Every speaking engagement that I have is a book by Dr. Bob Schutz. He's a Catholic marriage and family therapist. And the book is called Be Healed. Be Healed by Dr. Bob Schutz. Much of what I'm sharing with you today is encapsulated in that book. Um, it's got, it talks about the human person, it talks about love, it talks about order, it talks about how we're broken, it talks about the identity lies that we believe about ourselves. so it's called Be Healed by Dr. Bob Schutz. But every single one of us here has a next right step. And I don't know what that is for you, but I know that the Holy Spirit does. Okay. So what, what is that for you? Like, where do we go from here? And maybe for some of us, it's taking some more time with that forgiveness meditation. Maybe for some of us, it's with the Emmaus meditation of letting Jesus into this part of our heart and surrendering our hearts to him. Maybe for some of us, it's a sacrament of reconciliation or receiving the Eucharist more often. Maybe for some of us, it's finally like, I'm going to have a solid prayer life, and that's what I'm going to do. Because as Christians, my dear friends, we have to have our foundation of our house resting on the heart of Christ in prayer, because if we're not doing that, I don't know what we're doing. If we're not, if our houses are not resting upon the heart of Christ and that foundation of solid prayer and intimacy with him, every day, then how can we give the world the heart of Christ if we don't know him? It's like what we talked about, knowing about versus knowing him. Right? And Jesus is a human, and he's God, and he desires us to know him. I really believe there's secrets that he just shares with certain people. <laughs> just like you. Like, you know, you look at Peter, James, and John. Like, you look at the people that were really close to him, and, you know, as we draw, he, oh, he so, he so delights to be close to us. Like you, there's, you know, there's parts of your heart that you really want to share with people, and sometimes people aren't ready to hear it. And you just say to yourself, I would love to know you more, or I would love to share my heart with you. I know we can't do that right now because our relationship is to whatever, what's ever happening, but isn't it so wonderful when you're finally at home with somebody and you can share your heart and they just receive you? And that's what Jesus does. He comes and he, he brings us into communion in every single place so we're not living the lie that we're isolated, that we're alone, that we're doing this on our own. All those are lies. Those are lies of the enemy. And what Jesus shows us in the experiences where we've been abandoned, in the experiences where we've been rejected, in the experiences where people didn't understand. What Jesus is revealing to us when we allow those painful things to surface is the truth is that he has been with us the entire time. And he will never leave us. He will never leave us. A couple last things for you. Um, of our, um, Father Cantilla Mesa, he goes on to say this. He says that the complete church, right, the life-giving organism that is watered and given life by the Holy Spirit, 
is the combination of two channels or the result of two directions of grace. Sacraments, right? So we have to receive the sacraments. And then the charisms, which God, what the Holy Spirit gives us for the use of all. So he says the sacraments are gifts given to the church as a whole to sanctify individuals, and charisms are given to individuals to sanctify the church. So you see the coming and the going, like the receiving and the offering. But you and I have to receive continually before we can give. I think it's St. Bernard of Clairvaux that says we're not called to be kind of like, we don't, we're not called to give out of our desperation or get of, get, give out of our want or our need. We're not called to minister to people to get our own needs met. He says we're called to minister out of being a reservoir of love. And a reservoir is something that overflows. So the more you and I spend time with the Lord, the more you and I receive the sacraments more deeply, the more you and I allow his grace, which like we said is a never-ending journey down to the crevices of our foundation, is to that extent that the rich fragrance of Christ emanates through the world. And one of the reasons I'm here before you today is because I had a profound interruption in my life by a Catholic priest. It's, it's, it is the place where I received my deep love of the priesthood. And I had never met in my life anybody up until that moment who was so incredibly holy. And let me just tell you that saints aren't weird, they're captivating. <laughs> and Father, God bless him, he'd been a priest a long time, and he was not perfect, he certainly had his own story, but that man loved Jesus. And there were many times when I would look at him and I could literally see Christ looking at me through his eyes. And there were things in my life I could deny. There were areas in my life that I could deny, or if, you know, I, you know, I was wrestling with if God loved me, I was still an addict at the time, and all that kind of stuff. I could wrestle with many things in my own life, but I could not wrestle with the truth of who Christ was in that man. And that affected me far more powerfully than anything he ever said to me. And this is what happens to us in a life, in our littleness, steeped in prayer, right? Steeped in God. I'm going to um, just kind of close in prayer here, but I'm going to give um, Pope Benedict once again the last say here because I love this quote. When he was first made Holy Father, is a very famous homily that he gave as he was installed as the Holy Father. And he says this, and I offer this to you for your heart today. He says, are we not, it's great, are we not perhaps all afraid in some way if we let Christ enter fully into our lives? If we open ourselves totally to him, are we not afraid that he might take something away from us? He says, if we let Christ into our lives, we lose nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing of what makes life free and beautiful and great. Because it's only in this friendship that the great potential of human existence is truly revealed. Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and the Father, they're not coming to take anything from us that is truly nothing. They, ta they take from us what is less than human. They take our sin, they take our brokenness, they take our shame. They do not take a single thing from us that makes us human. And what he's saying to us there, it's only in this friendship. And friendship, you know, friendship is, love is a union of wills. Love is not a battle of wills. Love is a union. And it's only in this friendship that the great potential of our human existence is truly revealed, and amen, right? Amen. So it is my prayer as we go forth from here, and just all the grace that the Lord has done, and on this wonderful solemnity, this powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that each one of us would be filled anew and transformed. So can we just pray for that right now? Would that be okay? So Holy Spirit, we just open our hearts to you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that even now, 
that the gentle dew of your love would just settle upon our souls. I pray that you would lead us and guide us, Lord. Keep us always safely in your love. Lord, give us the docility to say yes to you over and over and over again, knowing that your only desire is to bring us in a deeper communion with you. I just pray a special blessing upon all of you here. I just pray that the Lord would deeply anoint you. I pray for a healing of your marriages, of your families. I pray for a healing of the parishioners in this church, of this diocese. Just pray for your bishop, all of your priests, your beloved Monsignor here. We just ask that the powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit would anoint our hearts and transform us in ever-deepening ways. Lord, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for a love that never ends. And we offer our yes to you. As we pray, glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. It has been a delight to be here with you this weekend. So thank you for receiving me, and I just been, I, will, I promise I will keep in my prayers as we go on together, and perhaps I'll see you up here another time. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the final part of Sister Miriam Heidland's five-part series, The Healing Power of the Holy Spirit, part of a charismatic retreat held at St. Peter Cathedral on May 23rd and 24th. And you've been listening to it here on WNOA 103.9 FM. Only one thing is necessary.